The last time this lady appeared on top of the pots was way back in 1976 with a song called Love and Affection. We welcome her back tonight. Drop the pilot. Here's Joan Armour Trading. <laughs> Is Joan Armitrady. <clears throat> Drop the pilot. What's going on, everybody? Good morning. It's Robert Phoenix. We are back here once again on the launching pad of the day. 15 minutes of flame. And um, that was, I like that song. 
Joan Armour trading, very underrated. If the Krimis are in the audience, I think they would agree with me. I didn't realize, I think these clocks were all set at the same time um, or variation thereof, right? This is a, what, 10.07, 10.10, yeah, 10 to two. There's another 10.10, another 10.10. Just notice, this one's a little off. For whatever reason, this is not conforming to the pattern and neither is this one down here. I know, you're the one that showed it to me. You're the one pointed it out. Joan Armitage. So that was was kind of a cool video, right? Welcome to the podcast. If you're listening to the podcast side of things, if you were here at 15 minutes of flame, that's OV flame. You could see the video and hear the song. Of course, I edit these out so that I can actually uh, send these across the podcast network and not get any copyright claims and not have my content taken down. But here, for a brief moment in time, you can enjoy that music. She was very underrated. Could write a very good pop. The problem with Joan Armour Trading, I'm just going to be straight up. She did not look the part. She did not look the part. She did not look the part of a pop star. Uh, kind of paved the way for Tracy Chapman a little bit, though. You can see that. And I, I saw it. Don't, don't get me wrong. I love Joan Armour Trading. She's great. I saw her live one time in California. Incredible show. The rumor, which was uh, Graham Parker's backup band or backing band, was her band on that tour. It was incredible. It was the Walk Under Ladder tour. So as an artist, I totally respect Joan Armour Trading. I just don't think she had the, you know, the top of the pops look. And she tried real hard there with uh, her little gray sweatsuit um, and trying to kind of fit into the fashion trends. Speaking of fashion trends, there's somebody in that video. Let me see if I can find it. There's a dude in that video who does not, it's like, you, you know, those, those, like, this image does not look like the others, right? Do you know that? Do you know that whole thing? A little exercise. There's a guy in this video who is not dressed like all the other people. Let me see if I can find him. Drop the pilot. I haven't heard that song in a long time. It's a really good tune. Let's see, where is he? Is this it right here? Yep, that guy right there. Okay. 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 Echo King's a hell of a drug. All right, this dude, it's like he was invited to a different party. He was invited to the new romantics party down the street where Adam Ant was playing. And I'm not talking about the bass player. I'm talking about Party Boy back here, Mr. Roman Candle. Nobody else is dressed like that. Nobody else. He got the big poofy shoulders, uh, the 80s poofy shoulders. Let me see. We got the 80s poofy shoulders. Everybody else is dressed rather rather tame. He's got a little B-boy thing going on there, but he is not Mr. Roman Candle. I can tell you that right now. There's a big head. Let me see what else we have here, fashion-wise. Drop the pilot. Let me see some. I mean, this is like just typical kind of 80s fashion. You know, we've got the long dress, poofy shoulders, right? She's wearing that that uh, red skirt, that short kind of red skirt thing. I think my girlfriend had that back in 1980. Not that skirt, but the same kind of ensemble. And then you have Roman Candle Guy right there in the center. I mean, he's right in the center. 
Nobody else is dressed like that. Yeah, he was waiting for Adam and the ants. Chat Taria, what's going on? To the best chat group on the freaking internets. I'm headed over there now. I'm getting over to you. Get my morning, my morning cup of greetings in. Uh, let's do this. Let's go home before I before I check in with you guys. Uh, let's uh, let's pay a little attention to True Hemp Science, my one and only sponsor of this show, which I love to talk about. So last night had a little uh, little company from out of town. Mr. Guest was my guest. He'll be my guest tonight again. And uh, we hung out. We had a good time. Some really good food. And I came back and I'm like, you know what? I need to go to bed. But I'm not tired. So what did I do? I popped a CBD gummy. What happened? A half an hour later, my head's on the pillow. So this is uh, a real quality of improvement or improvement of quality in my life. So I wanted to share it with you again. This is True Hemp Science, and this is a line of uh, hemp CBD medicine that my friend Christopher Lynch procures and sells out of uh, the great city of Austin. And, uh, you know, I'm here every day just to tell you about it and help promote his business because he can use the business. In a time like ours, when we are heading into deeper and deeper financial straits, we've got this eclipse coming up, which is, I think, definitely financially related. I mean, there's, there's, there, there are things that are collapsing right now before our very eyes. I might try and get uh, Misaki back. I'm going to be on his Patreon pretty soon here. Maybe I'll flip it. Maybe we'll bring him on on Friday if he can come on for a minute. I'll reach out to him because he was right on. Masaki was spot on when he came onto the show. Is it about a month ago? A little over a month ago. And he started to talk about the, uh, the pattern of cryptos and Bitcoin. And he nailed it like almost to the week. And uh, I know that there were people that actually followed his advice and they, <laughs> They did. They did well. Meaning they 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 got part of this ramp up, and then they got out before the downward, the the down into the right. So we'll see if we can bring Masaki on. But uh, the reason I'm talking about this is because these are stressful times. They're stressful times economically. Um, they're stressful times for your body. So having something around like high quality CBD to help you deal with cortisol and inflammation and all those things that go along with that can be a real godsend. I like the gummies, the sleep gummies. Uh, they've got some animal CBD products and right there, true hemp science at your link, which is truehempscience.com backslash ref backslash 23. And the code is 15 mins, one five mins, M I N S capitalized. Put that in there. You'll get $20 worth of free product with any, any purchase over hundred. And I'm assuming if you go over two or 300, which some people have, by the way, Chris will up the ante. You'll probably get more product thrown in there. 
So the more you spend, theoretically, the more you save. Isn't that the American way? Volume, volume, pump up the volume, dance, dance. All right, let's check in with Chatlandia. Chataria. Chataria. Drop the pilot. I hear the voice of Carl Sagan. Now you picked up on that empath. Good for you. Good morning. Uh, we got Tomas, Tomas Jordan. You're, yes, you are a little bit early. Oh, is empath Michael? Oh, I didn't know that. That's Mike. Hi, Mike. I did not know you were empath. Mystery solved. We got back to back Michaels. We got a mic check. There's DJ M C Michael, Sister Nino, the big daddy. What's going on, Michael? Good to see you. We didn't start the fire. It was always burning since the world's been turning. We didn't start the fire. No, we didn't light it. But we tried to fight it, <laughs> Billy Joel. Oh, God. You know, I can't stand fucking Billy Joel. There, there is that one album, though, um, where he takes on a little new wavy thing. And I thought, you know, Billy Joel did a little bit of a pivot here. And he did not do a bad job with the pivot. We didn't start the fire. Is That's kind of his version of... It's the end of the world, and we know it, right? It's the end of the world as we know it. Isn't it kind of like his version of that? Somebody way more talented than me, musically, if you could work that into a medley set and, like, do a cover of It's the End of the World as We Know It, and then somewhere in the middle, bring in We Didn't Start the Fire, and then come out of that back into It's the End of the World as We Know It, that would be fucking cool. If I was Prince, I would do that. But I'm not Prince. I'm not even sure Prince is Prince anymore. I think he's he gone. All right, Sony's here. Uh, Wendy says, the beautiful one, checking in. Uh, let's see. Oh, yes, the turtle. We're going we're gonna to get into the turtle today. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. When it rains, it pours. My grandson has been life flighted to hospital. More prayers needed from my Chataria friends. Oh, my God. What do we got going on there? Jeez. I'm sorry, Wendy. Ugh. I wonder if people are going to hang for this shit. I mean, I'm, 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 not, I'm not assuming, Wendy, that your, your grandson has been... Uh, inoculated but we've been conditioned at this point to assume that that's probably what happened in any case i hope he gets out of there as quickly as they brought him there so prayers back to you kelly b's in the house Good morning kelly um uh, let's see god it's so hard to have a young young kid young child have to do that key designs is here hi key designs Welcome to chat. Good to see you. Here's my girl, Fran, CC Jones, and then JJ. Check it in from the East Coast. I think up there in Martha Vineyard territory. JJ's got a pretty good life, I think. JJ, you done you done well. 
let's see who else do we have here. You done good. She's leaving Saturday. So is JJ moving now? Oh my God. So she's moving. Not really. Just leave six months. That's what I thought. So she's she's evacuating for the tourist trade. I don't blame you. There you go. Still a good life. Uh, let's see. Who else do we have? Let's see. Jake. Gucci to go. It's heavy times, it seems. Yes, indeed. My background is the ticking of clocks waiting for your book to be published. I can't wait to have you on as a guest. We're getting there. We're getting there. It's inching closer every day. And you'll all be able to say, I knew her when she was in Chattaria. When, when the Gucci to Goats movie hits the screens, I know that Jake is going to put in a Chattaria scene. Like it'll be part of the movie. I know it. I know it. Because she's that kind of dedicated. You don't have to use our own names though. You can use other names. But just make sure you get it in the movie. All right. Who else do we have here? Uh, Queen Lisa. What's going on, Queen Lisa? Good to see you. Felix is not Jeff. Thank you for clarifying that. I love that name, Felix, too. That's a cool name. That's a cool name. All right, Felix. Godspeed, young man. May the angels be with you as you turn your corner and head right back home as quickly as possible. Nicholas Grimm. What's going on, Nicholas? He's about to go on a run with the dogs. That sounds cool. I used, to, I used to really love running with my dog. We would go on to the uh, beaches of Northern California and we ran a lot. Timothy Hartful's here. Hola, right back at you, Timothy. Cape Cod. There you go. All right, Cape Cod. My life was a shot show for years, but it's better. You worked it out. JJ worked it out. See, you can work it out. No matter how rough things get, you can always work it out. She's a Virgo. She made those Virgo adjustments, those Virgo little tweaks and fine tunes. Uh, let's see who else do we have here. Um, but, 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 but squirrel, squirrel, we got to get you on on Friday. I think it's your time. It's squirrel's time on Friday. And it's time to talk biochar, sexy biochar. Mm. When I think of dystopia, when I think of off the grid, I think of biochar. Because biochar is the remedy for black goo. Oh, yeah. It is the redemption of black goo. So we're going to bring, a, if she's up for it, we'll bring Squirrel on Friday. And I think I'm going to try to get my friend Linda on the show. And I've known Linda for a long time. Uh, Linda is big into the hemp world, not CBD but hemp as a building supply, building structure, uh, that kind of hemp world. She knows a lot about it and I love her to death. And um, I think we'll bring my friend Linda on if she's into it. So we'll do, hopefully squirrels available. We'll do a little squirrel. We'll do a little Linda, maybe get Masaki right there at the top of the hour to kind of break down crypto land. Should be a good show. Should be a damn good show. 
actually. You know, we're still in Taurus and we're dealing with earth issues, money issues. We got this eclipse coming up this weekend. Boy, can you feel it? This eclipse is, these two eclipses, usually here's my strategy with eclipses. I kind of leave them alone. That's my strategy. Eclipses, Mercury retrograde, like leave them alone. Let them do their thing. Not going to give it any energy. If it's going to present itself to me, it's going to present itself. Because what do you want to do? You want to live in fear with an eclipse? You can't do that. That's so 18th century. Drop the pilot. I get I guess I'm rambling now. And I've been I've been accused of rambling. Can't do that. Get to the point. Do some research. Awful. Horrible. Worst podcast ever. I'm only being slightly facetious. Uh, let's see. We're talking about the formula. This is from uh, Jerry's feed. He retweeted, I spy what's coming. If your child doesn't need a formula, you can't find it. May I suggest goat's milk? There you go. Jake, are you paying attention here? Had to raise my two youngest out of my seven children on it due to reflux issues and bam, no more reflux for them. And they are healthy children today. So apparently goat's milk is the second closest you can get to human milk. Do you know what the first one is? Camel. Camel milk. You ever tried milking a camel? I have not. Goat's milk is where it's at. Let me see anything else going on on Twitter today because we're going to get to the billions thing. Fucking Mitch McConnell, these assholes. All right, who do we have here? Uh, there's the daily Elon Musk tweet about how fucking great he is on Twitter. Apparently, he's going to reinstate Trump's account. Is that right? Every single tweet is about fucking Elon Musk and Donald Trump. All right. How about a little good news? How about a little, hey, are you paying attention kind of news? Because that's what we're going to get into right now, at least at this point. If I can find the link. Uh, is there a link here? Yeah, no. You know what? I, you know why there's no link here? Because I don't think Twitter allows links to Gateway Pundit. <laughs> this is funny shit. A simple condom could have prevented this. Lori Lightfoot is just weird, right? I mean, she's just a strange, she's a strange species. Really strange species. Okay. I've never thought of this before. It's just crossed my mind just now after looking at that picture of um, Mayor Beetlejuice. What if the, the, the babies who are aborted, what if 
there's a third party, a, uh, a, a, a third agency that is commanding the individual. Now, the individual may rationalize these things. And look, I've been in that place, dark, deep, dark rationalizations on my part, okay? Um, it's not a good place. But what if a third party would come in and say, just abort it, just abort it. And the reason, here's the reason, the reason being that the life of that child could be deeply impactful. Think about this for a minute now. The life of the child could be deeply impactful, meaning that they would have some kind of overview of time, space, and the path of that child. Think about that for just a moment. An overview of time, space, and the path of that child. And by taking that child out, before it even had a chance that that child and the impact on society, and let's say it's positive, is thus eliminated. I've never thought about that before. That some kind of dark spiritual agency, a third party, could understand the trajectory of a, a life before it even starts. And by eliminating that trajectory, they're eliminating the possibility of, of an agent of change. And I think there's probably some truth to that because, you know, look who, look who doesn't get taken out. There's a lot of people who, who were not taken out whose parents said, oh, we're going to have that baby. You're going to grow up and be the brightest and chipperest and smartest little person that we could ever produce. And the next thing you know, they've got green hair and they have barbells through their septum and uh, they're wearing um, the bones of some, uh, some other human in their ear and uh, they don't go by he or she and uh, they're out there, they're out there protesting for their, their inalienable rights to uh, take a life. It's a thought. I'd never really thought of it before. That that a third party, a dark spiritual agency could get in, because those are moments now when somebody is, and by the way, if anybody here who's listening has aborted a child, I'm not judging you, okay? This is no judgment on my part. I'm, I'm not one to judge in, in, in this area. Trust me. That said, the idea that this third party could come in, have some understanding about the impact and the trajectory of one life. Because if you, there are stories now, right? Like for instance, this Kathy Barnett, let me show you her. Let's take a look at Kathy Barnett. We'll get to fucking Mitch McConnell, a piece of shit. I got that song in my head now, which is pretty good. It's a good song to have in your head. You got an earworm? It's a good song. Um, this is an interesting story. This woman, Kathy Barnett, she's running against 
Mehmet Oz, the dual citizen, dual citizen. Anyway, this woman, ultra mega long shot, roars at contention in key Senate race. Pro-life group endorses Kathy Barnett in Pennsylvania. Do you know why? Because Kathy Barnett, her story is that her mother was raped. And then she is the uh, progeny of that rape, right? That's part, that is part of her story. Here, let's look at her uh, US Senate thing here, Barnett for Senate. I am you. I like this woman. I mean, just, you know, I like her. She seems like she's real. So there she is. Um, so let's, let's just watch her, uh, her ad here. We got to block you. In 18... This was a battlefield where a clash for freedom was fought. The Emancipation Proclamation gave more than 3 million Blacks their freedom. But in the decades that followed, people who looked like me could not fully integrate into the fabric of this nation. We couldn't even register to vote. Today, not only can I now vote without fear of violence, but I can run for office too. But there are still deeply personal and demeaning hurdles we must overcome. Because now the issue isn't just for someone who looks like me, but it's for people who think like me as well. People who think like me are being canceled, bullied, fired, threatened, and deplatformed. We're told that Black Lives Matter, except of course my Black life, because I'm a Black conservative. Radicals want to control and strip not just Black conservatives, but all conservatives of our identity because we dare to think for ourselves. If you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black. The white man that sits at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue believes he has the power to take away my blackness because I'm a conservative. But I will keep on. I will never let the words of another define me or determine my value. You can try to demean me or call me names for what I believe, but Joe Biden, after the November election in 2022, you can call me something else, Senator, because this determined black conservative woman is going to become the next United States Senator from the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. I'm Kathy Barnett, and I will not be bullied into silence. As Americans, we are blessed to live in the greatest country this world has ever known. And only in America can a little black girl who grew up on a pig farm, raised in a home with no insulation, no running water, an outhouse in the back and a well on the side, overcome every obstacle and shatter every glass ceiling intended to hold her back. Joe Biden might not think I'm black enough because I won't just shut up and do as I'm told. And DC might not be ready for me, but I've never been more ready for this fight. I hope you would join me on this journey. I can't do it alone.
Together, we will keep on and send a message to Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. that his words will not define us, that he cannot belittle us, and he cannot stop us from electing the first black Republican woman to the United States Senate. I'm Kathy Barnett and I approve this message. Woo, all right. She gets a little points off for the mask, just a couple points off for the mask. Um, but um, yeah, I did not know that there's never been a black Republican senator who's a woman elected. I hope she wins, frankly, because I don't really like Dr. Oz. I think the guy's a fucking phony. He's a total phony. And uh, Trump is behind him. And it's almost as if Trump's endorsement of Oz has worked against Oz in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvanians know the score. They're one of those sneaky states, man. I love Pennsylvania. I love the people in Pennsylvania. They're, they're super bright and, like, and independent and down to earth. Really interesting state, interesting group of people even on the east side and the west side, which are very different worlds, like two different two different states altogether. But they're all very interesting folks. And I hope that um, Kathy Barnett wins. What do you think? Are you a Kathy Barnett fan? You think she likes cats? So apparently she was the child of a mother who was going to abort her. You know, that was Tim Tebow's story. Tim Tebow's mother, right up to the last minute, I think, wanted to abort him. He That, that was her plan. And then she stopped. And Tim Tebow is kind of a remarkable individual. I, I You know, I, I think he is. And I remember when he was, uh, if you don't know who Tim Tebow is, he was a Heisman Trophy winner. Played at the University of Florida, right? Isn't that right? Here, here, let's get those two mixed up. University of Florida, Florida State. The Gators. He played for the Gators, not the Seminoles. He was not a Seminole. He's a Gator. What do you want? You were just right over there, and you were enjoying your life. Now you're back over here. Oh, I know. I know. Um. So Tim Tebow was incredible in college and then he got drafted and it was the weird, that was, the whole Tim Tebow thing was really, really weird, but good weird because Denver's quarterback, who I think was, at that time was uh, Kyle Orton. He was not doing too well. John Fox was the coach. John Fox, he, John Fox talked like this. Yeah, we know we're, we're really into, you know, we, if we want to get Tim some reps, we'll get him some reps and you know, whatever. Right. But he didn't like Tim Tebow. He didn't like the fact that the fans in Denver were like clamoring for Tim Tebow. And finally, I think Kyle Orton got hurt. He's just so terrible that they had to insert Tim Tebow and have him play quarterback. And he led them on a pretty miraculous run, right? And, and Tim Tebow would always, after he'd score a touchdown, he would he would kneel uh, in the uh, in the end zone 
right? The big kneeling thing. So there was always this strange contrast between Tim Tebow kneeling and Colin Kaepernick. Well, Tim Tebow kneeled. He did it for different reasons. Like he was kneeling to, to, you know, God, right? He was, he was kneeling to a higher power. And Colin Kaepernick was kneeling because some ex-Army Ranger told him to be more respectful. Colin Kaepernick was just, he was just sitting down before a game because he was pissed that Blaine Gabbert was the starter. It had nothing to do with Black Lives Matter. It morphed into that. Then he also says, oh, I should use this moment. That's not why initially Colin Kaepernick did what he did. He was not a kneeler. He was a sitter. He was a squatter. He was a squatter. Are you back there now again? Okay. I want you to enjoy the rest of the show back there. There you go. So Tebow goes on this incredible run. And they get to they get, they get into the playoffs with Tim Tebow, who is not a very good passer. Let's just be upfront about that. But he has something. He he's electric, right? He's got this spirit that is undeniable. Like you can't quantify what Tim Tebow does. Like he was running on pure faith. And if you're the coach, you had to do the same thing. It's like, you know, he's the bumblebee of the NFL. You don't know how it's working, but it's working. So they get into the, uh, the uh, semifinal game against the Steelers. And I think Tim Tebow might've completed like five passes that game. One of which was, I think like a 85 yard touchdown to Demarius Thomas. God rest Demarius Thomas's soul. He died. Pretty sure he died because of the old jibber jabber heart condition, young guy. Um, and they beat the Steelers, a team as much as I just spoke highly of Pennsylvania, I fucking can't stand the Steelers. Ever since the uh, immaculate reception, I've had nothing but uh, bile for the Steelers. And a weird fan base, too. I will, I will say that about the Steelers fan base. Weird. I'll never forget one time I was watching, I was watching, a, I think it was a Sunday night football game. My, I think it was at maybe the Marriott or the Hyatt in Burlingame, I was with my friend and we were sitting there and the Steelers were in town. They were playing the Niners uh, the following night. So the Steelers fans were there. They were actually at the hotel, staying there. You can see them. They were dressed up in their Steeler garb. And I think they had cheap beers and wings and shit like that. That's why we were there. And it was a Sunday night game. And I think the Chargers were playing. And there was a guy on the Chargers that got hurt during that game. And I remember, I think it was probably the year before, maybe the playoffs I think the Chargers played the Steelers and the guy had a really big game against the Steelers. I think the Steelers lost. And these people from Pittsburgh are cheering the fact that this guy fucking got hurt. I'll never forget that. I'm like, that's weird. Okay. They remembered that that, see, they remembered that that guy got fucked up or he fucked up the Steelers. And then he got hurt and they're cheering. It's like, Ooh, I would never do that. And then they lost. So Tebow beats the Steelers. They lost to the 49ers. Tebow beats the Steelers. 
It's, it's remarkable. It's miraculous. He is one game away from the Super Bowl. Could you imagine Tim Tebow, who is about as close to Jesus Christ in the second coming as you get in the modern sports era, playing in the Super Bowl? That was one thing I guarantee you the NFL did not want. They did not want, because the NFL went from being religious, right? Because they used to show video of these guys after the game praying in a circle. Whatever your views on religion are, right? This is, you know, just push, put that aside for a minute. You don't see that anymore because they don't, they don't want to upset people. So they went from that version of the NFL to doing probably everything in their power, you know, offering up sac sacrifices to whatever, whatever God Roger Goodell worships uh, to keep Tim Tebow out of the Super Bowl. That was the last thing they wanted. So the, the, uh, the Patriots whooped their ass. And then that was the end of Tim Tebow. He got, I think he got traded to the Jets because Rex Ryan had a Tebow fetish, but he never used him. He never really used him, didn't trust him. It was almost like we're going to put him into football Siberia. And I remember when I was, when I went on vacation to uh, New Jersey. No offense, New Jersey. You have, you have some nice shoreline there. Um, so I was there on vacation and I, and I, where were we? We were at um, a sporting goods store. Models is that is do they sell models sporting good like art model? I think we went to a model sporting good store in, in New Jersey somewhere, and um, I they had I was looking for a shirt for my kid, and they had a like the sale rack, so they had a, they had Tim Tebow jerseys on sale because I don't think he's I don't think he was with the Jets anymore at that point they dropped him, so I bought my kid this Tebow jersey. I mean, he was like, okay, but he really, it was green. It was the A's color, uh, which was cool. So we went to New York, took the train. And, I, and I've told this story before, but now it's in the context of this Tebow jersey. And we went to, uh, I went to get him his first slice of New York pizza. I think he was, how old was he? He was around nine, maybe 10, 10 at the most. I think he was around 10. Anyway, um, we get off, I think, at uh, Grand Central, get some pizza, and we're headed to the Museum of Natural Sciences. And we get off there, and there's such a crowd, such a throng. It was like a herd. And the herd was stomping out the door, but my kid got lost in the herd. My son got lost in the herd. So I, I get off the subway and I look around and I can't find him. Okay, you've never experienced sheer panic as a parent until you've left your kid or your kid got left on a New York subway. That was one of the most terrifying moments of my life. More terrifying than the inner tube moment. <laughs> In Big Sur, tr truly, it was more terrifying. And that was pretty terrifying. And I had to go through uh, the station and come back up around. I hadn't, I hadn't run that fast in maybe 10 years, 15. 
So I got to the, uh, the, the station agent and I told her he's wearing a Tim Tebow jersey. Because <laughs> nobody was wearing Tim Tebow jerseys in New York at that time. And you know, thank God this family saw what happened. It was a very interesting moment because I remember at a certain point, all of a sudden I wasn't panicked anymore. It was like, he's okay. And then maybe 10 seconds later, he, come, he comes to the turnstile and this lovely family watched the whole thing and brought him back. That was a hell of a moment. That was, a, it was like, yeah, thank God. And you know, there are good people out there. Don't, don't let the rest of the world shit you. There are good people out there. Don't lose sight of that. Don't lose sight of that. And don't lose sight of the, the humanity inside of your own experience. It's easy. It's easy to get cold. It's easy to get cynical. It's easy to go dark. And sometimes you have to, you have to just cut off the emotional drip. Because that's the other thing, too. Now we're in this time where people just want to tap in to any kind of emotional drip line that they can. Positive, negative, needy, accusatory, they, like they just want it. They want something. So you, you've got to kind of be very, you've got to be very aware about people tapping into your emotional body. And you can't have it. They're, they're worthy people like today. Wendy was talking about her grandson. You know what? That's a worthwhile human emotional moment. It's like one of our family. Like he is one of our family, even though we don't really understand it because we've never met him and it's an abstraction, but it's true. And we've lost sight of this. And I, I have my concerns about the West in a lot of ways because the West doesn't know how to live with other people. You look at people from other cultures and they're, they've been forced to live with each other for a couple generations. It's usually economic and they kind of know how to do it. In the West, we don't really know how to do it. We, we have been born and bred on individualism and the economy has supported it. Uh, and we have a lot of uh, unlearning to do in that area. And, you know, we're on the clock. See all these clocks behind me? We're on the clock because uh, we've got a ticking time bomb in our, in our society, right? Right now. And we went through the list yesterday. You know, I, I was thinking about this. I mean, I've had a few UFO backgrounds in the, in the last few shows. And sometimes I don't know why I do things. Like, okay, why am I choosing? Because I'm not a big UFO guy. I was when I was a kid. I, I was a UFO freak when I was a kid. I used to draw UFOs all the time. I used to, I used to hope that I got picked up by UFO. It's like, yeah, this is all pre-Whitley Strieber shit too. It was like, yeah, let's go. I'm ready. I want to learn, I want to learn your shit. Bring me up there. Uh, you know, and I, I got way less interested in it. I think sometime in the late nineties, I think I got less interested in it. But I've been having these UFO pictures behind me. And they're talking about now having these hearings on UFOs and the extraterrestrials. And that's just part of it. We're, we're, in, we're, we're in it right now. 
we are in we are in the trough of life so uh, let's um let's get into a urinal the turtle oh my god i found this video I'm, I'm not sure i can play it i'm trying to figure out how i can play this video it's crazy it's a jerry springer show from the 90s 1993 and they they, they don't run it anymore yeah i think i think a lot of the jerry springer shows are available on YouTube and maybe, I don't know, some channel that might rerun them. But this one episode, they don't rerun. It's, it's fucking weird. And it's these kids who are the offspring of Christian white identitarians. This is 1993 now. And there's the, the girl who's this redhead. Whoa, she is, she's a pistol. And, uh, and eventually they bring the fathers on um, and the audience, so Jerry Springer, you know, loaded the audience with young black kids and young Jewish kids. Like he load, like he went to probably went to, they went to schools and said, look, this is what's going on. You know, you know, we, we, we you know, think of it as a field trip and let's get as many of your, your kids here as possible. So they probably went to Jewish day schools. I think Jerry Springer's Jewish. In fact, I think one of the dads even accuses him of, they start talking about the Talmud and everything on this. It's fucking wild. I know. I, so it was so inflammatory. I had to, I had to put my fingers in Jasper's ears. He couldn't hear it. He could not hear it. Anyway, I, I got to figure out a way to, to play some of this because it's fucking crazy. And you've got these kids like six, seven, eight years old chiming in from the audience side it's weird and it's a part of american history on television i know i know but i got to figure out a way to bring it back you just can't tell me to do that right now all right let's see if we can find the uh the yurtle the turtle moment here oh okay um this is not the yurtle the turtle moment Uh-oh, here we go. Carvana just laid off 2,500 employees over Zoom without warning. So we have recession-level car sales. I guess if you can afford to buy a car now, this might be your time. But that's what I'm looking at. trying to tee up the Euro the turtle moment, but I think this is the house. And they just passed a $40 billion package in aid for Ukraine. God, is, there, is it that tilted in the house? 368 to 57 and then the 57 are Republicans. Is that true? Wow. I didn't realize there was such a disparity. Um, House approves nearly 40 billion in aid for Ukraine. The vote was 368 to 57. All nay votes came from Republicans. The bill now goes to the Senate, but the Senate may not vote on the plan until next week. Okay, so what do you think is going to happen? What do you think is going to happen? 
That's $40 billion on top of the $30 billion that they've already sent, on top of another $5 billion that they threw out there after the $30 billion. So we're at uh, roughly 78, let's call it $80 billion. $80 billion going to Ukraine. And it's probably a combination of money and arms so that the Ukrainians can win the war against the, Ru the Russians, our proxy war. That's a lot of fucking money, $40 billion. Now, in order for it to, because the Republicans, I think, still have, they don't have the majority, but they have Mansion and I think cinema. I think in the uh, in the Senate, the two crazy Democrats that can hold things up. So the Senate isn't all completely bought and sold and paid for. It's selectively bought and sold and paid for. But if they're waiting until next week for the Senate to pass this thing, what do you think is going to happen? Something's going to happen. There will be. Are you going to get down? Maybe you should get down. Maybe you should get down. Why don't you go take care? Rosie's not doing so well. I got. I got to tell you, she's not doing well. Uh, so the just a quick review. Spooky two. Rife. So I'm getting the rife machine back tonight, and you know we'll see what happens. But she's she's not doing well. I'm. Be very surprised if she lasts another couple of weeks here. And it's weird because a lot of her up other body parts are functioning, but a couple are really breaking down right now. So we'll see what happens. You know, there's just a lot of life being lost at this point. People, pets, they're killing millions of chickens. You know, they'll come after the 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 uh, the the, the pigs and the cows next, I guarantee you. And then, and then we'll come down into the pet world. Well, you, you being a tough guy? Jasper being a tough guy. You have no teeth. You have no teeth. You're not that tough. You're not that tough. Your claws are a little sharp. So what are they going to do? Something, something's coming. We've got this eclipse on Saturday. By the way, Trump is coming to Austin on the eclipse. Mr. Eclipse himself is coming to Austin on the eclipse. I've never been to a Trump rally. This could be my chance to go to a Trump rally. Have you ever been to a Trump rally? He's never been to a Trump rally. You want to go? That's not for you. It's not for you. Trump rally is not for you. So I would assume that they're going to do something. I would assume that they're going to run out some kind of a false flag so they can just push that 40 billion right across the finish line. And I think uh, McConnell, I called up the president today and uh, I, said, I said, Joe, we, we, we got to we got to fast track this this uh, this aid package. They need it. 15 minutes later, he called me back. He said, you know, Mitch, you're right. We're going to work on it. I think he said that. I'm kind of paraphrasing, but that's what he said. 
really like the whole thing is a fucking joke it's just it's just a, it's a it's a bad joke but it's a bad joke that's that's devastating again this country like another part of the planned demolition that we're going through we're still also dealing with covid not not directly but indirectly there are people who were forced to get vaccinated and they're fucked up like they are hurt they are vaccine injured some people have died and I, and I read accounts of these things every day, every day. So that's going to that's going to impact the workforce. They're going to lose people. It's hard. It's hard to get shit done now. Like I've got an issue with one of my cars, and I'm thinking, oh god, now I got to take it to the shop. It you take you take your car to a shop now, it's gonna it it, it could take you upwards of a month to get your car worked on. Because number one, these places are underemployed. Number two, getting parts isn't always easy for these guys now. So you get underemployed or understaffed, which means there's a backup of the cars. And then you have to wait on parts. I, I you know, it could take for fucking ever. You think these are first, you know, first world problems. No, these are not, these are now third world problems. We have third world problems in this country. This is all going on right now, right as we speak. Prices are shooting through the roof. Biden's finally acknowledging inflation, but you know what? He doesn't give a fuck, whoever, whoever he is. And they, this is all planned. It's all part of the planned demolition. You just saw Carvana lay off 2,500 people. Over Zoom. Sorry, you're not here anymore. Like we're headed into a dark place. I'm sorry. I can't, I can't, you know, put lipstick on a pig here. If you're not looking at everything that's going on from the socioeconomic perspective, you're 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 just gonna get blindsided by a freight train. You know, so what are the options here? Crypto is so here's what I think is going to happen with crypto. I think it's going to hit a, hit a real valley. Masaki and I have talked about this. I think it's going to hit a real valley. And then once it gets to a certain point, all this money is going to go back in. And it's going to flood it. And then you're going to see it go like a little parabolic again. And I think maybe sometime in the fall, like, I, I would think that because of the midterms, probably starting around sometime in late September, early October, that all of a sudden you would have crypto, you know, going in the up escalator again, gas prices going down, right? That two month period just before the midterms, they'll try to do everything to, they'll do everything to turn back the hands of time. So that for about two months, there'll be some normalcy. Oh yeah, oh wow, things are going much better. And they'll try to capitalize on it and try to do everything in their power to get their toadies duly elected, mostly on the left, but they'll, they'll do it on the right too. And then after the midterms, they'll turn it back down again. I and mean, this is the way reality is at this point in time. 
So we're going to go through a period here where it's we're going we're going like this, right? Look at Lake Mead. Lake Mead uh, is the uh, is the metaphor. Lake Mead is almost bone dry. You know what's really interesting? This gets into like Scorpio, the South Node in Scorpio. This is interesting. They're finding now, like I think in Lake Mead, and I think there's another lake. One's in Arizona, the other's in Nevada. Anyway, the water levels are so low, they're finding these bodies that had weights and shit tied to them. They're finding these dead bodies now, like, holy shit. So that's a real Scorpio thing. Now, in astrology, the way that I work with Cancer and Scorpio and Pisces, there's a lot of different ways to work with them. But I like to use water metaphors for each of those signs and each of the houses that they're connected to. So with cancer, we have local water, like a well or a spring or a creek, maybe a pond. Those things are representative of cancer. They're usually around you. In many cases, you can tap into them for your own home water supply or gardening or whatever, right? Local water. Um, with Scorpio, you get into deep lakes and big rivers, you know, big, intense, raging rivers and lakes that are very deep and in some cases have no bottom. And then when you get into uh, Pisces, you're getting into oceans, Pacific Ocean, Atlantic, big, big water, right? Planetary water, cosmic water. So when we have the South Node in Scorpio, what are we seeing now? The South Node is debilitated. So the lake situation is going in the West. That's a South Node in Scorpio moment. What happens? Well, more land is revealed. True Node in Taurus, right? There you go. The nodes, you can set your freaking clock by the nodes. And what are they, what are they showing now? Well, dead bodies. Isn't that Scorpio? It's weird, right? But it's a metaphor. And that's what's happening now with the South Node in Scorpio. It's the revelation of, of where the bodies are buried. That's coming. Some of it you can see is this 2000 Mules movie, which I've seen some of, and it's like, how much more do you need? And nobody in Washington is you know, bringing it up. They're not having a Senate meeting on this thing. If anything, now they're, they're trying to clamp down even harder on free speech. You've got... Um, uh, Mary Mary Popinowitz, who is the uh, karaoke singer turned uh, disinformation czar, she's scary. She's really scary. And now they want to turn hate crimes, they want to label them domestic terrorism now. So what, what's, what constitutes a hate crime? Now, you know that, by the way, I hate hate crimes. When they first came out with the whole hate crime thing, I was like, this is not good. This is not good. And I remember the, the, the party line was, well, if you're not hateful, nothing's going to happen. Just don't be hateful. It'll be fine. I'm like, the slippery slope for hate is pretty steep. Because what is the definition of hate? Some, for some people, 
their definition of hate would be really like meek. You looked at me the wrong way. He stared at me. He triggered me. Staring at me is a hate crime. I, I knew what you were thinking. You were thinking hateful thoughts. I swear to God. That's that's where this thing is going. Pre-crime, mind control. We, we, we must not have hateful thoughts. We must not have hateful thoughts. We must love everybody. Because I can be I could be seen as being a hate criminal. Meanwhile, the real hate criminals, well, they have to burn everything down. Well, that's they're just a they're just exercising their First Amendment rights. I don't don't worry about that. You, on the other hand, you're a hateful motherfucker and you're on ice. So hate is, I think, defined by the quality and percentage of truth that an individual is speaking. So if it's very little truth uh, and it's uh, an act of an agitated agency against the so-called state, they'll be tolerated. That's not hate. But if it is, if it is truthful, if it is pointing out the obvious, which is where this is all headed, this is why they're doing everything, because now it's pointing out the obvious. You, you, you cannot deny what is going on, especially when you have this movie now which shows without a shadow of a doubt what was going on. Oh, that's disinformation. When, when this woman, Mary Papinowitz, uh, basically says Hunter Biden is an entrepreneur and a businessman, you know we're, we're in deep, deep, hot, boiling frog water stew. So Hunter Biden has this uh, image consultant now. There's a major, major, major push to rehabilitate the image of Hunter Biden. Speaking of billions. This just came across my uh, screen. Let me do the Hunter Biden thing. I'm gonna try to, I'm gonna play this other, do this other thing, weird. All right. Let me see. Let me find this hundred bike thing. So Hunter Biden recently had a $2, billion, $2 million tax bill paid for. And the guy that paid for it is this guy, Kevin Morris, um, who's a, a big time Hollywood attorney who represents outsiders. Like he represents uh, Mike Judge, uh, Trey Parker and uh, Matt Stone from South Park. So I guess he was a, a co-producer of the Book of Mormon. 
So he's representing Biden, but it's not just him representing Biden. Well, it's not just him bailing him out. He's working on a documentary about Hunter Biden. So I'm going to read this here. Entering the bruising political fight <clears throat> is an unusual move for Morris, who has long been a maverick in Hollywood. Morris founded a law firm that represented a cast of A-listers, A-list stars, and then began writing fiction and producing documentaries. He also subsequently helped negotiate <clears throat> another South Park deal, this one worth a reported $900 million with MTV Entertainment Studios, which is part of the CBS News parent company, Paramount. Hunter Biden could not be reached for comment, but his criminal attorney, Christopher Clark, is that like a combination of Christopher Darden and Marshall Clark? Remember those two? Those two who played footsie with each other during the OJ trial? The hot, steamy affair between Marshall Clark and Chris Darden? Confirmed that Morris is serving as an attorney and trusted advisor to Hunter Biden. Morris has also been working on a documentary chronicling Hunter Biden's life since he's been the focus of conservative television commentators and investigated by congressional Republicans, Democratic Party source in Washington's head. A source familiar with the uh, arrangements between Morris and Hunter Biden said the attorney paid Hunter Biden's past due tax debts. The New York Times reported in March that Hunter Biden told associates he had taken out a loan to repay delinquent taxes that were in excess of $1 million. A long-running federal investigation by the Trump-appointed U.S. attorney includes a close examination of Hunter Biden's taxes. See, they're going to go into the tax thing, and now he gets his tax bill settled. But they won't go into the other areas, like the laptop from hell. So this is huge damage control on Hunter Biden. CBS News has previously reported a grand jury has for six months been hearing evidence on the matter in Delaware. So it's a tax thing. This is they've been just you know looking at this Hunter Biden scenario. It's okay, how can we control the spin? Well, we'll control the spin by looking at his delinquent taxes, and we'll just make that the issue. And once we clear up the delinquent taxes, you know we'll we'll take care of everything else. We'll sanitize Hunter Biden by dealing with the tax issue, which is essentially their strategy. Federal investigators subpoenaed documents from a paternity lawsuit that included tax records for the president's son, an attorney involved in a paternity matter, told CBS News they wanted every record relating to Hunter Biden we had. Clint Lancaster said, Lancaster represented London Roberts, a woman who filed a lawsuit against Hunter Biden in 2019, alleging he was the father of her child. Could you imagine being the father, having Hunter Biden be the father of your kid? Fuck. Third party in action. Yeah, we'll let him live. Go ahead, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. Hunter's a good man. He'll help raise him. December 2020, subpoena from the U.S. Attorney's Office in Delaware, also obtained by CBS News, requested all documents regarding Hunter Biden's income, assets, debts, obligations, and financial transactions, and all personal and business expenditures. That's a lot of work. It's a lot of forensics. But it's about money and not about graft and corruption. Right? Extortion. 
um, treason that turned it into an Al Capone issue. Hunter Biden and Morris both live in the Los Angeles area where the president's son has been living while painting and selling his artwork. At one time, the law firm Morris founded was representing celebrities that included Matthew McConaughey, Ellen DeGeneres, Scarlett Johansson, Zoe Saldana, Zach Galifianakis, Chris Rock, and Laura Linney. Morris has also authored two novels and a book of short stories. So obviously the guy's got a little bit of talent. You getting down now? Thanks for being here. Ladies and gentlemen, Jasper, give me a hand. So that's the uh, sanitization process of Hunter Biden. That's going on right now. I got the cat hair on me. So, meanwhile, on the uh, on on the ground level of uh, her current situation, people are having a hard time. I don't think I've ever seen. Because we've all always known that there was a disparity between the haves and the have-nots. But as long as the have-nots felt like they were in the game and that they could live decent lives if they put in the work and were in some form of a meritocracy, which, by the way, at a certain point did exist, more so here than maybe any other place, then the perceived gap between the haves and the have-nots, whether it was zeros in a bank account or uh, photographs on the, on the back pages of the society, the society uh, section inside your newspaper, right? those things were digestible because people had a fighting shot. They were able to have a house. They were able to uh, afford a car, maybe two cars. Uh, they were able to send their kids to college. They had an idea that maybe their progeny would be better off than they were. And that was the thing that was the, the buffer zone between this kind of tacit and innate understanding between the haves and the have-nots. That's going away now, right? That is going away because the buffer zone the, the, the ability to experience what we call the meritocracy itself, period, that's coming to an end due to uh, equity and uh, equality, but mostly equity, not really equality. Equity, diversity, all those things, which are the napalm to the so-called meritocracy. And you have a bunch of people who just aren't really qualified to do shit. But because they fit into a certain demographic, they, they get the updraft, they, they get the socioeconomic thermal. And now they're making six figures. And meanwhile, you're sitting around going, what the fuck do I need to do? How do I, how do I get through this time? And that's really where we are now. We have to figure out how we get through this time. This. It's my kid, let's see what happens. Hey, what's happening? I have a really weird question for you. Okay, so I'm letting you know you're live on my show right now. Oh, God. Okay. Can you ask me the question? Yeah. What, what race is Mike Ladd? What race is Mike Ladd? Yeah. 
I told you it was weird. It is a weird question. Um, I think Mike Ladd is, he's, he's a combination, if I'm not mistaken, of Black, Puerto Rican, and, and maybe Jewish. I think the, the appropriate term would be New Yorican for Mike Ladd. Okay, okay. Because, because I'm doing a project for school. And I really didn't know what to do, so I'm doing the different origins of modern day rap because you have to be like the whole thing is you have to be the teacher. Right. So I'm like I want to do something I'm interested in, so I need to find people from like different origins. So like I already have New Japan, who's Japanese. Right. And I'm I was trying to find someone of like Hispanic slash like or like Islander descent. So I think Mike Lad might work. I think Mike Lad would work. Mike Lad's mother was a uh, I think she was like a university teacher or something like that. Go look at his Wikipedia page. That's what I was looking at. I just didn't say anything about race, so I was curious. Yeah, I think that. I think that's. I think he actually talks about his race in that record. That um, the 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 after. Welcome to uh, welcome yeah. to the after. Uh, yeah, okay. he talks about it in there. That one song where he talks about mm-hmm. the fish, right? Any, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'll, listen, I'll listen, to it listen to it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. Thank you. You bet. Bye. There you go. Little little uh, paternal moment there. Mike Ladd, really good artist, by the way. Maybe we'll maybe we'll end up with some Mike Ladd today. Um, so we're becoming more aware of the apparent space between the haves and the have-nots. And this is one of the things that they try to make an issue of here in this country, because that, that's the pillar of socialism and communism that's built on class difference. And for the longest time, because of the way the, the capitalist game was set up, they couldn't really do that because people were, were pretty much getting a pretty fair shake here, pretty fair. And they went into the race part of this thing because they knew that they couldn't flip America based on, they could do it in Russia because there is a big disparity between the haves and the have nots in Russia and in other places. They were able to like, okay, they couldn't do that here. But they got in and started to use race as a wedge. But now we're getting to the point where the haves and the have nots are really becoming much clearer, right? And I remember when I went to, uh, Occupy Wall Street. And I was there in New York and they were about a weekend at Zuccotti Square. And I and I didn't go to I didn't go to New York to go to Occupy Wall Street. I was there doing something else. And and um, I was with this friend of mine who I haven't talked to in a long time. Super cool person. Uh, and we met at this pizzeria in Uptown. And she was a librarian at this private school. I think it was for girls mostly. And it might've been one of those school, it might've been a, like a religious school or something because the, the girls all wore the same uniform, right? The white shirt and the plaid plaid skirts. Anyway, I met her and some of these girls at this uh, pizza place in Uptown. And we, we talked about astrology. It was, it was a really cool moment, right? It was like, how did I get here? It was one of those, how did I get here moments? Uh, how did I get to this pizza place, uptown New York, 
with this librarian talking to these young girls about astrology. This is kind of a moment, cool moment. So then we, we left that place. We took the subway downtown, we went to go to Occupy Wall Street, which was an interesting moment. I went there twice during that, that week stay that I was there. And one of the things about Occupy Wall Street um, that really got my attention is they talked about the 1%, the 1%, the 1%. And I'm like, you people, you, you know what the 1% is in this country? The 1% is people that earn probably about $250,000. That's the 1%. 250 to $300,000. That's the 1%. That's my take on it, right? Now, what you really should be talking about is the eighth of the percent, but that doesn't really sound good, right? Or the half a percent, because those are the people that you really needed to target. You didn't need to target people that were making $354,000 because they that's who would fall into that 1% category. Anyway, billions and billions. What are you going to do? How are you going to stay in the game? We talk about this a lot. You got to take care of your body. You got to take care of your mind. You got to take care of your spirit. You've got to look around you and say, do I have enough to last a year? A year. Do you have enough to last a year? Do you have the infrastructure in your life to last a year without any visible means of either economy and or food and or power? That's the big question right here. Do you have it? If you don't have it, then you better kludge together what you have and look around you and see who's in your immediate vicinity so that you can pull together. This is a, this is a vital importance right now. And I would suggest that you get anything that you need to have done to your body, get it done. Like if you need dental work, get your dental work done. Get it done. If you have to have some kind of elective surgery, which I always think is best if it's avoidable, get it done. Because there may come a time in the not so distant future where you are going to have to present some form of biometric identification in order to get those services rendered. All right, let's see if we can find some Mike Ladd here. Let's see, we got a Mike Ladd video. Go out on Mike Ladd. Easy listening for Armageddon. Weird rap, Mike Ladd. I like Mike Ladd. I think Mike Ladd is really talented. Really super talented. I I've never heard this before. It's called a uh, paragraph. How long is this? Five minutes. How much time do I have left? 1038. I think we can do this. I've never heard this song before. Uh, I guess this is one he did in France. Let me see if we can do Welcome to the After Future. That is a really great album. How long is this? 348. All right, I'm going to play this. It's just a song. There's no video. This goes out to my kid, Mike Ladd. Welcome to the after future. 
Use your head in order to discern what's real, your heart to say what's possible. I'm Robert Phoenix. Thank you for being here. Stay in the game. Stay in the game. Stick around and watch them devour themselves. This will be worth hanging around for. We'll see you tomorrow. Cinnamon Peeler's wife, like I was bedding down with ISIS, pop my bumps after a night of this. We've gone through all of this crisis so far, so give the intuitionist a kiss and
Mike Ladd. Where's my utopia? My Mars colonies, like it's supposed to be. Space 1999. Have a great day. We'll be back tomorrow. Take care. Bye for now.